This programme was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, your community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. Kia ora and welcome to Planet Women. I'm Amanda Manel from the Hiditonga Women's Centre and today joining me in the studio is Lisa Smith. Lisa is a children's continence nurse who leads the Hawke's Bay Children's Continence Service, focusing on bowel and bladder problems in children, and she provides individualised support for children to help them with toileting and toilet training. Welcome to Planet Women, Lisa. And thank you for inviting me along, Amanda. This is a a topic that I'm very passionate about. Which is exciting, and Mm. we're really excited to have you here on the show today. It's not a topic that we talk about often, so it's going to be good to explore children's incontinence a little bit more Mm -hmm. um, and look at some solutions. So to start with, Lisa, would you like to share a little bit about you and your background and what drew you to work in this specific field? Right, okay. So, yeah, I will cut a long story short, Amanda, (laughs) because, you know, I'm entering my 60th year. Um, But, yeah, I I started many, many years ago. I've been a children's nurse for over 35 years. And um, really... Continence picked me um, because I came across, I emigrated from Fife in Scotland and came across here with my husband and my son and I started working at the local hospital, Hastings Hospital. And what um, really got me was that kids were getting admitted to the hospital for bowel clear-outs because they had really severe constipation and soiling and really blocked up. And I said, oh, and uh, is, is there a clinic that they get followed up in? Mm. And said, no. Well, who follows them up? Well, sometimes a consultant does, you know. And I said, well, this is a chronic medical condition. In Dundee, where I worked at this huge hospital in Nine Wells, we had a, a multidisciplinary bowel management clinic led by a paediatrician, continence specialist nurse, a child psychologist and a dietitian, because that's how complex the issues are around children that have um, chronic constipation. Mm. So I just thought, oh my goodness, this is something I could really get my teeth into. (laughs) And um, so that's what I did. And 17 years later, here I am, um, got my own um, clinic as a children's uh, continence, uh, dealing with children's continence and toileting issues. Yeah. Oh, amazing. And so what does that actually entail? What What's your role as a, a continence nurse? Um, yeah, yeah, I um, see um, children from two years um, up to 19. And um, they have um, bowel, bladder, toileting Um, issues and um, probably most of them uh, it it really the problem boils down to um, their bowels okay that um, bedwetting um, of the one of the biggest contributing factors is constipation daytime wetting the biggest factor is um, constipation Um, I see a lot of children that have um uh, neurodiversity that have additional needs mm. where the connections between their brain 
and their bottom are going astray, really. They're not quite getting there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I see a lot of the, um, children like that um, as well. And uh, it is, it's not an easy fix and that these things can take time. And um, certainly when a child presents with chronic constipation, uh, with overflow soiling, it can sometimes take up to a year um, to get that bowel back to a healthy uh, tone. Recent studies in the UK uh, showed that over 30% of children will have constipation at one point or another. And out of that, another 30% will go on to then have severe chronic constipation. That can be an issue for years and have a huge impact on the child who soils at school, Mm. huge impact on the family. Uh, Yeah, and... um, yeah, and I know that I can make a difference and get this sorted. Oh, fantastic. So if we before we start looking at some of the challenges, can we just have a chat about what healthy bowel and bladder function looks like so that our listeners have an idea about, not to use the normal word, but what, what's healthy and what might start to be a bit of a problem? Right, okay. So I talk about healthy poos and sad poos when I'm obviously talking um, to children and there are guidelines on this and that and this isn't just for children this is for everybody that um, generally most of us should pass a bowel motion every single day if not every second day and it's fine to go up to three times a day um, as well but you know often people that are vegetarian will actually Um, have more active bowels than those that are meat eaters Um, but yeah (laughs) so yeah and it should be like a soft uh, light brown in colour and it should look like a snake and it should pass really easily um, into the toilet you shouldn't be straining or struggling um, to pass um, a bowel motion and Um, Most people will tend to get into a a routine where they will go after breakfast or after dinner. And this is all how our body works, is that we um, generally, we rest and digest. When when we have dinner, we're relaxed and we're digesting and it's going in and it flows through. And obviously 20, 30 minutes afterwards, then we get the call to action really okay that sounds um for adults the call to action is often after a hot drink in the morning a hot drink actually stimulates the bowels to wake up and get going in the morning and then that sets you off for the rest of the day right okay (laughs) yeah that's that's good yeah i can give you the bristol stool chart so if people really want to get into the nuts and bolts of it a type four on the Bristol stool chart, which people can look up on the website. Okay, we'll refer people to that. And so you alluded to this before, but when we're thinking about children, toileting challenges um, and issues Mm. around chronic constipation and other toileting matters can have a really significant impact on them 
and their families and their schooling mm. and their community. Mm. So do you want to just talk a little bit about that so we kind of have an understanding perhaps of what children are experiencing but what their parents and families are experiencing as well? Right, right. Well, again, it, it goes down to different age groups. Like I had a wee girl, a two-and-a-half-year-old, uh, over the weekend there, and um, she is miserable. She's sad because she's got really... She's blocked up, basically. Mm. And it keeps her awake at night. Um, she's waking up constantly and needing to go into her mum and dad's bed. Um, she's got a very poor appetite. Um, she goes around um, just uh, crying, whinging, clinging to mum, won't leave mum alone. Um, and often it just puts her off her play and that she gets really grumpy. And, and that is an indicator if a child is, is struggling with play then they are really, really in a bad place and that we do need to address this. So, And then when you get to, to older, um, you know, children um, at school, um, I had a 10-year-old and, um, yeah, she came to my clinic and was still wearing pull-ups. Right, gosh. Um, because she had lost control over her bowels and that is what happens when... Uh, chronic constipation goes on for four months, a year, two years. Um, the bowel becomes the bowel as a muscle, and when it gets loaded with poo, it um, stretches and it loses tone. It becomes like a floppy bowel, but also the connections between the bowel and the brain uh, also that these connections um, disappear as well. So these children actually have no awareness of when they need to pass a bowel motion. So it will just leak out at any time. So this 10-year-old girl um, came to my clinic um, wearing pull-ups, um, very depressed and um, really um, struggled because she was the smelly kid at school. Yeah, yeah, really hard, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And um, parents feel guilty um, they feel, what have we done wrong? Um, and um, some parents will say it's ruling our lives, um, that often we've got to go and pick them up from school because they've soiled so badly. Mm. Um, they won't go to family gatherings because they'll have other family members judging that, my goodness, that you know, your child should be toilet trained by now. They're eight years of age and they're still pooping in their pants. What you, what you do, you know, you need to get onto this. You know, they're just being lazy. When in actual fact, they're not being lazy. It is a medical condition. Mm. So what do we know about the causal factors for chronic constipation in children? Is there any one thing? Is yeah, what, what do you know? Wow, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a million-dollar question there, um, Amanda. But in all my 17 years and all the hundreds of kids that I have seen, there is one common denominator in the majority of them, mm -hmm. and it's change. Right. Change is the most common denominator. Um, and that could be a physical or psychological or social uh, change and um, we've just come back from our holidays right and uh, many of these kids will um, have had significant change happy change because it's the holidays however 
There's loss of structure, loss of routine. Yeah. And what do we all eat at Christmas? The three C's, you know, chocolate, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> chips, uh, cake, uh, cheese. And um, these are not the normal foods that we should be eating for a healthy bowel. Right. And therefore, a, a lot of these children, um, because of change, um, will cause problems. Um, other things um, change if they become unwell, if they become really ill. We had a big surge with COVID when kids were ill with COVID um, and, and also change of their normal routine because they were um, isolated. Everybody was in lockdown and being at home and they, you know, some kids really struggled with that. Um, and again, that had um, contributed to anxiety. Mm. Um, for a number of uh, um, children. Um, I often find um, when children um, where there's shared care, um, where they're in, in one parent's house one week and then in another parent's house the next week, even though it's, it's you know they're loved and they're being well looked after, there's always subtle changes in each routine in, in, in the different houses. And that, that again, can contribute... Um, as a cause, causative factor for uh, um, constipation. But it's, it, it's all very individual. But I often people say, oh, they're eating the wrong foods or they're not active enough or they're overweight. Well, that's just one of the many factors. Um, a lot of the kids I see are not overweight. A lot of the kids I see do eat a healthy diet. A lot of the kids I see are very active. So... It's just, there's just so many factors. Yeah. Um, but amazing insight that you've gleaned over your many years of doing this to have it, that understanding, particularly it, around change. And I guess that gives parents um, s- some sense of understanding around why this mm, might be happening mm, for their children. Mm. And, I, and I do say to them, it's not your fault. Okay, you know, it's not your fault because I know other people will have been judging you and things like that. And it's not your child's fault. It's Mr. Pooh's fault. I'm really sorry that our listeners can't see at the moment because <laughs> Lisa's sitting here holding up a soft toy poo um, to, to place the blame clearly, clearly. with. Clearly. Uh, yeah. All right. And it is the brain, bowels, bladder behaviour. But ultimately... It's the brain that's in charge. And we've got kids that have got young, immature brains um, who have not got total control over it. They're they're young. They need um, watching. They need support. They need encouragement. You know, we we shouldn't just think that when a kid, when a child has ditched their nappy, the parents could say, huh, that's it. (laughs) I don't have to deal with all of that mess anymore. I don't have to worry about it. They're independent. But they're very far from it. Yeah. That's just the start of the journey, you know, is that we should remain vigilant with regards to our child's um, bowel pattern and bladders as well. Uh, you know, ch- you know, change. One of the, the there's there's three stages where kids are more likely um, to be at risk. And one of them is when infants, they start solids, that's change. When toddlers, well, preschoolers start school, that's mm-hmm. a massive change. And then you've got puberty, 
when the yeah. ho- hormones are raging, that often that that can be another um, area um, where people just need to be a bit more aware. And and it's not it's it's upsetting when you have a fifteen year old who will not go to school because he's soiling. And I've had that as well. Yeah, for sure, that's really hard. And so this kind of leads us really nicely into talking about some tips and strategies. So obviously you have a clinic and people can come and see you in your clinic, mm, but mm. for just for those who are listening today, what tips and strategies do you have um, for parents who are struggling with children's incontinence? Some toilet tactics. Right, okay, so I've got lots of uh, um, tips, but, you know, I would be saying that, um, you know, right at the very beginning when you're thinking about toilet training is uh, know your child's pee and poo routine, okay? okay. And, um, you know, you, they've got to be, you've got to have healthy poos and wheeze before you even think about starting toilet training. And we didn't, I didn't go into sort of what is a healthy bladder. Well, I, and again, a lot of people don't know. They just go, they just, you know, it's just done without even thinking. Mm-hmm. But most of us, and this isn't just for children, this is for everybody, we should be emptying our bladders four to seven times per day. And it should you know, after your first morning urine, which is always concentrated because we concentrate our urine overnight while we're sleeping. Mm-hmm. But after that, it, it should kind of be like um, a very pale yellow, like a Sauvignon or... Oh, a Sauvignon. <laughs> oh, okay. A Sauvignon Blanc or whatever. But, yeah, you know, try and cut back on the alcohol. You know, that's not what's <laughs> going to make the urine that colour. What will make the urine that colour is lots and lots of water. So so really what, what, we, what I want to get to is people just do their business and go. And I want to say to people, there's no need to rush. <laughs> Check before you flush, okay? Know what, you know, because just by looking, you'll know, oh my goodness, my urine's really dark and orange. I need to drink a lot more water. Yeah. All right? Concentrated urine leads to a twitchy bladder where you're more likely to have um, bladder leakage. And this, again, isn't just to children. It's yeah. for everybody, all right? Concentrated urine um, leads to an increased risk of urine infections as well. So check before you flush. What does your poo look like? Is it a bit like a bumpy bumpy sausage rather than a soft sausage? Or I shouldn't say sausage, but because people don't like to refer to it as food. So you can take that back. <laughs> a log or a snake. A snake. All right. And and if it's a bit on the bumpy side, then you need to increase your fibre. You need to increase your water. Okay. Okay. Um, and um, one of the other things is that I hear a lot of people, you know, um, especially that they've got a bit of bladder leakage, that they'll just go just in case, okay? So some people could be going to the toilet every hour. Well, that is not allowing the bladder to stretch fully, to work to its potential. So really it's a case of don't just go because you think you need to. You've got should wait until you get that feeling that you need to go, and then go, go, go. Do not hold on. Right. And and I've had kids that have held on all day when they've been at daycare, 
and they've held on for eight hours. Yeah, gosh. Where they should be actually void, they should be passing urine, you know, every two to three hours when they're a preschooler. When you get to school age and adults, we should be able to hold on for four hours. But after four hours, yeah, we should be making a point, oh, we do need to go to the toilet. All right, okay. Um, The other thing um, that is going to help with healthy bowels and bladder is drink water as cupfuls. We've got too much of sipping on the bottle. Too much sipping, drink it as cupfuls, and we should be aiming for six to eight cups of water a day at least so that we've got nice, healthy bladder. Um, I do have a picture, which you might be able to put on the Facebook page, but we should all be in what we call the squatty potty position, not just children, adults as well, because that is how our bodies are made. We are designed to poop in a squat, basically, okay? But it's also good for our um, passing um, urine um, as well. So Lisa's Lisa's picture shows a stool, so yeah, squatting like a stool. I've got a nice stool. So, yeah, um, you know, I'll certainly put some tips on the Facebook page, all right? Um, but, um, yeah, I'll let you... So that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, poor Lisa, she's got so much to share and we're rushing her along <laughs> for time. Um, so I guess... There's loads of tips, and I'm happy to share anything on our Facebook mm, page mm. as well that, that you've got, Lisa, because I think this is really important. Um, if if our listeners are thinking, actually, this, they would really like to get in touch with you to talk more about their mm. child, how, mm. do they, how do they do mm. that? How do they reach um, you? The, the best thing is actually just to go onto my website, which is very easy. It's www.com poosandwees.org.nz All right. Nobody's going to forget that. Um, and really, I, I just the other thing that is is actually in the process of being published and released is a very special book with a kiwi flair to it, and it's called Winnie Weka and Mister Poo. Oh, and it it's really beautiful. Is, it really is all about little Winnie Weka who's got a busy brain and hasn't got time and is too busy playing that he doesn't have time to go and let Mr. Pooh come out and play in the toilet and whatnot. Um, So, yeah, this will be getting hopefully released by the end of um, February. And, yeah, so that will be um, really, really good. And Lisa's brought in a copy of the book for us to look at, and it's absolutely beautiful. So a really nice, easy way it's, to it's introduce... for preschoolers. As I say, that, that book um, could be read to kids as young as three, and and it can go up to kids, you know, from three up to seven years um, of age. And it, again, it's child speak. That's how I speak most of the time. I've, it is hard talking sort of without, you know talking in a child sort of way. And, um, yeah, some take-home messages for everybody is bladder leakage after the age of five, so in any age group after five, is not normal. And there are a lot of practical things that can be done to um, manage um, bladder um, leakage. So I really want to get it out there. This isn't just about children. This is for everybody because one in four New Zealanders have 
leakage of some sort. And and it's really getting it out there is go and ask for help. Okay? Incontinence is a symptom, not a diagnosis. Your GP is your first protocol. Amazing. Lisa, you're a whirlwind <laughs> of knowledge. Um, and I really appreciate you taking the time to come into the studio today and, and to share what is obviously a really passionate topic for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you very much. And for any of our listeners um, who may be struggling with some issues, I just um, yeah recommend you get in touch with Lisa. She's, she's the lady for the job. <laughs> thank <Definitely>. you. Definitely. <laughs> This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, your community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.